remarkable people overcoming remarkable challenges with resilience, dedication, community, and grit. Listen as they share their stories of overcoming adversity. Open your eyes to what is genuinely possible for all of us. Authentic Adversity with host Chris Howe. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Authentic Adversity podcast. Today, I sit down with Richard Macias or Coach Warpath. Uh, he's an online coach that works in fitness, mindset, and nutrition. He's a motivator and, I mean, just an all-around inspirational guy. Uh, Richard, I want to thank you for uh, agreeing to come on the podcast and chat with us. Likewise, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, man. It's been uh, it's been really cool to, um, you know, you're... You're somebody, this is the first time we've actually talked face to face, you know, even though it's through a, you know, through a screen, but um, you're a person that I feel I've connected with. And that's kind of the beauty of social media. When I come across accounts like yours um, that I can really sink my teeth into and, you know, uh, ins get inspired by every day. Um, I really appreciate it. And something about you, and I, I imagine you're this way with everybody, but you respond to every message. You're super like you're super thoughtful in your responses. You're very like caring. You're just, you know, all around motivating and encouraging with everything you put out. So I just want to say I appreciate you and I appreciate everything you put out. Thank you, man. Yeah, I try to, you know, I mean, I, I respond to every single message, you know, and people are sometimes surprised. Like, is this really you? I'm like, yeah, man. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I'm just I'm a normal guy. Right. Uh, so, sure. yeah, definitely. Yeah, man. I mean, that's awesome. And that that's it speaks to your character. And um, I mean, I imagine that's one of the reasons you're so successful in your coaching career. But before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about um, early life for you. So like where you're from, what was it like environmentally uh, growing up? Maybe any obstacles you had to um, overcome in early childhood or, you know, up until maybe teen years. So maybe you can kind of walk us through that. Yeah, so I grew up in Southern California, uh, the Inland Empire. Uh, I was born in San Bernardino, California. Uh, grew up in the Inland Empire, uh, moved around a little bit, but mainly from like the, the Riverside County, San Bernardino County uh, area there. And uh, growing up, you know, it was pretty normal as far as uh, my childhood. You know, I was into sports. Um, I, have, I have a little brother, a little sister. Uh, we're all about five years apart. So um, there's three of us total. And then, uh, of course, you know, my mom and dad and um, at a very young age, you know, um, grew up in the household where, you know, it, my parents were young. Right. So they were figuring stuff out as they were going. Uh, so they had me when they were about 19, 18 or 19 years old. Um, so, you know, growing up, man, I, I saw a lot of stuff as far as just hanging out, partying. My family, they love to party, you know, the typical, mm -hmm. typical Mexican family, right? Yeah. We just, we have yeah, birthday yeah. parties for kids and there we are drinking and stuff like that. So yeah, there's yeah. more, there's more alcohol than juice sometimes there at the parties, <laughs> you know? So I grew up kind of right. like that, but like I said, I was into sports. Um, that's what kind of kept me, kept me going, kept me grounded. My parents were really good parents when it came to us, the kids very supportive yeah. you know my dad was always involved with our sports coaching uh same thing with my mom you know she would always be making us breakfast before games stuff like that but cool. their relationship kind of wasn't uh wasn't the best right um mm -hmm. and so they went through their troubles and stuff like that but uh growing up you know it was um it was cool you know everything was good for the most part looking in sometimes of course like any relationship parents are gonna fight right 
And uh, we saw that more more than often, you know, um, and, and just dealing with that growing up. Uh, I remember, you know, having to leave, go go live with my grandpa, go live with my grandma for a little bit and just kind of be separated and kind of wondering what's going on, you know, kind of figuring out what's really happening in the house at a young age. Um, right, right. So uh, eventually that led them to kind of splitting up, but they they still kept in contact as far as I was always seeing my dad, always seeing my mom, that type of thing. Um, yeah. but it was just kind of one of those households that was just, uh, in, in a way, just not, it was stable, but not, um, I don't know how to explain it. Just, it wasn't, uh, I just saw a lot of fighting, right. I saw a lot of, mm-hmm. um, adversity going through the house and stuff like that. For sure. Um, for sure. so yeah, so that, that's what kind of, uh, you know, and then of course the partying too, right. So I was, I was looking at that, seeing my dad party, my mom party, and that of course sparked an interest in me. And I remember drinking at a very young age, you know, I remember yeah. uh, like five years old, man, just getting my dad's beers at the end, you know, he'd tell me go get another one. I was drinking the rest of it. So right. uh, there was a, a petition, you know, you know how that goes, man, go get me a I beer do. and you, you, drink, you drink the rest of it. Yeah. Right, dude, so right. one night, man, I was, I was pretty buzzed, you know, at like five years old, just from doing that alone and got a stomach ache, you know, threw up yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. And I think that right there is kind of what sparked something in me, you know, not knowing it at the time, but sure. I think that's honestly where my addiction came from, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, man, I was born and raised in Cali. It's just, it's just one of those things, you know, just living the lifestyle and uh, trying to figure out my place really. That's where I was. Yeah. It's kind of funny how we want to uh, emulate our parents a little bit, you know, and when we see them taking a drink, we think that's what the adults do. And let me see what that's mm-hmm. all about. And um, not not knowing what to expect. But uh, yeah, it bites it bites a lot of us uh, at an early age, for sure. Right. Um, so would you say uh, sports were keeping you somewhat out of trouble for a, a period of time? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Monday through Friday, I was busy with practice on the weekends. We had our games, stuff like that which was cool. You know, it kept me out of the house sometimes whenever stuff was going on. That was my outlet right there. You know, I always, uh, I always pursued sports, but growing up, my parents, they did end up splitting off, divorcing when I was around 16 years old, 15 or 16. At that point, I completely kind of stopped finding interest in the sports. And that's when I kind of went downhill. Um, That's when I started hanging around, you know, different crowd, started kind of using, experimenting with, you know, weed and drugs and alcohol and just living like that party life to just escape, I guess, what I was going through at the time. Um, And at the time of doing it, I really didn't think that I had an issue. I didn't think that it was a problem. But now looking back at it, it was like, man, I was escaping from something. You know, I was trying to hide something. Um, I always grew up too as a chunkier kid too. Like I was always that husky kid, right? Okay. So like playing sports and football, you have to make a certain weight in order to play with your your age division. Uh, right, same right. thing with wrestling, you know. So I remember struggling with that at a very early age as far as my weight was concerned. So I think that okay. also had something to do with how I just felt about myself. You know, I just wasn't right. some insecurities wasn't completely and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, my my nickname was Chunkers growing up, man. Like that's what everybody <laughs> called me, you know. Really? So like that was already in me, like oh, I'm fat, you know. Like I'm this chunky kid. Um, yeah. So just like a lot of little things, just kind of added up to where now that I'm at the point that I'm at, I'm able to reflect on it and kind of say like, okay, maybe that's why I was acting the way I was, but right. that's no excuse on a lot of the stuff that I did while I was, you know, into my addictions and stuff. 
Yeah. And I mean, at the time, you know, we don't know, we don't know what we don't know at the time, right? We're not, mm-hmm. we're kids and we're just, we're doing our thing. And I mean, it's very similar to, to me, you know, um, things went really wild for me when my parents split up and that's when I dove headfirst into the world of drugs and alcohol and crime and everything that came along with it. So, um, you know, I, and I for sure can relate to what you say about it being escape. I think that all of us who end up with a, a drinking problem or a drug problem, we are, we're not doing it just because we love the feeling. We are trying to escape our reality or our past. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you feel different, right, it's like you're escaping, but then you kind of do fall in love with that feeling because it's not you, you know? So it's right. like, cool. I don't get to be myself for a little bit. That means I don't have to feel what I'm going through, you know? Right. So I did fall in love with like the feeling of like, mm-hmm. wow, I like this. You know, I like the head change. I like the high that it gives me. Um, and then once it, once it's gone, I'm there looking for another head change, you know? Right. Um, so that's, that's your teen years. Um, and, and so moving forward from that, are you like, are you kind of like after high school, do you dive deeper into the, into the drinking and drug use or like, how does that go for you? Yeah. Like once I hit 16 years old, I kind of stopped with the sports. I played here and there, but I wasn't really serious about it. You know, right. and like deep down, that kind of hurt me in a way because I didn't see myself going that route. Like I, yeah. in my head, you know, when you're growing up, you're going to be a professional athlete. You know, you're going to play sports the rest of your life. Now, here yeah. I was at a very young age, 16, giving it up in a way, you know, um, I, I moved out of my house when I was about 17 years old and started okay. living with friends and stuff like that just to escape the house. I thought I knew it all. Um, so I wanted to try it. I was still going to school, but um, I was, I wanted to do stuff on my own, you know, I, I right. didn't want to be controlled anymore. Um, so that led to a bunch of, you know, I got arrested a few times, uh, caught okay. the UIs. Um, yeah. so just that period between like 17 to like maybe 20, it was all just getting in trouble. You know, it was, right. it was just causing a scene, diving deeper into the alcohol. That was my main thing. You know, I did try other stuff. I smoked weed and stuff like that occasionally, but alcohol was what got me into the most trouble you know that's what really that way for a lot of people yeah Yeah. and it's so it's so it's so open nowadays you know like nowadays you look on tv there's commercials you know with alcohol beer commercials showing everybody having fun but in reality that's not really the case you know what i mean there's a lot more harm than good and that's what kids see is like oh cool they're at the beach they're having coronas and but right. in reality, you know, that's not that's not what happens all the time. You know, well, the commercial doesn't play long enough to see the hangover and the fight mm-hmm. with the wife and the kids and this and that afterwards. Right. It's like, yeah, you know, we're we're all in love with that idea of like, you know, yes, the the, the after three drinks feeling. But then mm-hmm. what happens, you know, and, and then the right. come down and everything like that. You know, I talked to somebody else about this and, and you know, it's it's it really is wild how you know, kind of like big alcohol just like paints a picture for us. But like, could you imagine if we were doing that with, if there was a company doing that for heroin or right. for, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. It's the, it's right. the, one of the most dangerous drugs out there. Alcohol it kills the most people, I believe. Um, and, and, and people are making the dumbest decisions or, you know what I mean? Making the biggest mistakes while under the influence of alcohol, but yet it's so socially acceptable. It's, it's wild. This episode of the Authentic Adversity podcast is brought to you and sponsored by Another Road Drug and Alcohol Treatment Center. 
Another Road offers a client-centered recovery program tailored to every individual's circumstances. Their focus is to create a supportive healing environment rather than a rigid, rule-based institution. Their dedicated commitment upholds the individual values respecting each person's desire for recovery. Another Road understands that every individual requires a unique and focused approach to their recovery. Certain modalities of treatment are introduced along with the tools necessary for each client. Located in a rural setting, their addiction treatment center for all genders provides the perfect setting for a transformative recovery experience and sense of belonging. The private residential treatment facility offers an unparalleled program with counselors that have in-depth knowledge based on varying years of experience in addiction. Another Road utilizes unique individual focus plans for recovery that address the complexities of drug addiction, alcoholism, and prescription medication misuse. They have a 65% success rate when clients follow their program. I know many people who have completed this program and they have absolutely rave reviews. To learn more, visit anotherroad.ca. Okay, so um, for you then, um, you're, you're deep into it. You've been thrown in jail a couple times. Is there any is there any thought in your mind at that time? Like, okay... I know because when stuff like that was happening to me, I was always I make promises to myself like, you know, I'm this is the last time I'll never do it again. And I'm going to change my life and get me out of this jam. And I'm praying to who who knows who, you know, and, um, you know, I always wanted to come up with these. I always had these grand plans to stop drinking and change my life. But, it, it, you know, inevitably, it always ended up the same. You know, I always ended up more fucked up uh, in more trouble. And, uh, you know, the, the, the scale kept going down and down and down from there. Um, how about you? Same exact thing, man. I would promise yeah. the world, you know, I'd get in trouble. I'd have a weekend where I was completely blacked out. And it always sucked, man, hearing those stories of who I was or how I acted during those right. times, right? Like me just hearing from other people, dude, you were so fucked up. Like, do you remember doing this? Do you remember doing that? And me, yeah. I'm like, I, I kind of like embarrassed in a way. To where I'm like, yes. yeah, yeah, I remember that. But it, deep down inside, I'm like, dude, I have no idea that I did that. Like, I'm so embarrassed right now. Um, you know, just hearing that I put somebody through something or I said something I didn't mean. Because that's not me, you know. Like, right. me sober is a whole different person than me fucked up drunk, right? So mm-hmm. it, it was just like, uh, like, holy shit, man. Like, I'm stopping. I'm never going to do this shit again. I need to calm down. Uh, I figured I had an issue, but then I didn't know how bad it was. I thought, okay, I just won't drink during the week. On the weekends, I'll have a few beers. It was never like, let me completely stop. I need to stop. I'm somebody that just can't have alcohol. No, it was always like that thought of like, maybe I could just limit myself to one or two and then Mm kind of go from there. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah, I do. I really do. (laughs) Yeah. And it was never that case, bro. That was my thing. I'd always try to manipulate my problem. It's like, okay, no, that was the that was the hard liquor. I'm just going to stick to beer or I'm going to drink <laughs> yeah. only on Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays. And then, you know, and, and like, you know, drinking no drugs or drugs, no drinking. It was always these little manipulations. And like I said, inevitably, I always ended up in the same place. And, um, you know, all the signs were there for a long time before I really got serious about like, okay, I need a change. Um, yeah. For you. Um, what led you there to the place that um, that that you knew you needed to change? I, I struggled, man, for years on end, just playing that game mm-hmm. of uh, I'm going to stop, trying to quit, 
then going back, I literally probably did that for like a good, like six or seven years of okay. constantly failing, constantly getting into trouble, stopping for a little bit. I would stop for like a month and then I'd go right back into it. And even worse than when I, when I landed the first time. Right. So I would stop right. for a little bit and then I'd go back. And then that time was worse than the last time that I said I was going to stop. You know, right. I got into more issues or um, drank more. You know, I was more of like that binge drinker where it's like, okay, cool. Monday through Friday, I'll be cool. And then on the weekend, I'll drink. But then when I drank, I fucking drank. You know what I mean? Yeah. I made sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. So like, I, I mean, it's up, like making up for lost time or something like that. I think a right. lot of people don't re recognize that about you know, it, binge drinking. You know, the people that go to work and keep it together and they're like, they call themselves functioning alcoholics. Because they mm -hmm. can get up and go to work Monday to Friday, but then it all falls apart on the weekend, and you know, it, it's it's still a, it's still problem drinking, and and people trick themselves, right? They, and they sometimes really that's yeah. worse, you know, that's yeah. worse right there because you do really you know drink so much that it's just not even healthy for your body, you know, like that's where you can mess yourself up by consuming sure. so much in a short amount of time. Um, rather yeah. than somebody that drinks every day, yes, they drink every day, but they kind of aren't drinking as much, you know? Right. Um, yeah. but yeah, that was me, you know, that I always had a job. Like I, I was a hustler, man. I always had money. I always had uh, income coming in. I was a mm -hmm. father at a very young age. You know, I had my kids at 20, 21. Um, so okay. I had to support my family. Um, and I knew right. that, you know, come, that was, that was coming from my dad. My dad taught me that my dad okay. always hustled. He always held down a job, no matter what issues he had, no matter what he did, he always took yeah. care of us. You know, he always provided right. for us. I always had clothes. I always had food. That wasn't the issue, you know, um, and that's what I took from that. I always made sure I took care of my people, but right. was I really taking care of them, right? Just by providing them with the food and uh, a roof over their head, but then me drinking and kind of not being that father that I needed to be. I really wasn't. I was just kind of providing the necessary stuff and leaving out what really mattered. Like mm -hmm. you're giving the essentials. Yeah. Here's the essentials to live. But what about the emotional component and the, you know, the, the father son time, the father daughter time, like, you know, all that yeah. stuff that the kids really need. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And I really I just want to say real quick, like I, I really appreciate that about you because you are such a family man. And um, you talk about your people being your family all the time. And, and, you know, a lot of your social media, you're very open and honest about how, um, you know, how, how you've hurt them in the past and, and how today is so much different. And, you know, I just wanted to applaud you for that because um, that's something that's really important to me and to hear somebody like yourself talking about this openly and honestly, and, you know, giving people, um, like the straight goods, not, not bullshitting. Like, yeah, we're a happy family. We've always been this way. Like this takes work, right? You know, it's, you know, I really, I do really appreciate that about you. Um, it really stands out to me. Thank you, man. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, I haven't always been this person, you know, and I want to make that clear that you could be somebody that you're not proud of, but if you take the steps and if you put in the damn work, you can change, you know, like change mm -hmm. is possible. But it's going to take yeah. work, right? It's going to take you willing to want to do it. So right. kind of backing up a little bit to your question, like what really made me change? That's it right there. My family did. Mm -hmm. You know, okay. I knew I wasn't uh, providing that best person to them, especially my, my daughter, you know, uh, my wife. Yeah. My wife's been with me from day one, man. Like literally we have spent every single day together 
through the good, through the bad and everything in between, you know, she stuck, so beside, you, she yeah. stuck beside me, you know, and she's the opposite. Amazing. She's somebody that can have a drink and be completely fine. And then she's with this oh, yeah? guy that, yeah. And then she's with <laughs> this guy that can't. Right. So it's okay. like, she couldn't really see it at the beginning. She was like, why right. can't you just stop? And I'm like, I don't yeah. know. You know what I mean? Like it kind of plays like that fight, that feud, because not that she, um, like she couldn't, she just couldn't see it because she can stop. She doesn't drink, you know, she's, she's completely yeah. sober as well. But back mm-hmm. then we were drinking together, you know, and right. I was the problem all the time. And I always yeah. envied those people that could have one or two drinks and then be done. I'm like, how right. the hell can you guys do that? You know, like one or two drinks, that's just getting started, man. Like that's nothing. Like I used to pregame before parties, you know what I mean? For Have you sure. ever done that? Like sure. drink a couple and then go to the party. That was All the me. time, yeah. Yeah, so like. For um, sure. I, I could definitely relate to that. That that I, I used to look at those people that used to be like, I'm going to go watch a football game on Sunday, but I'll go home at five. Yeah. And I'm like, what you you're going home now? Like we're this is just getting good. Let's, you know, and and I'd watch people come and go and come and go and I would sit at the bar. I would be the permanent yeah. fixture and I would see people the the like quote unquote normal people right, coming in right. having one or two <laughs> drinks and I'm like, I don't get this guy. I don't get this girl. What one or two drinks? Yeah. Like where are they going That's next? It? They must be going <laughs> somewhere else. Like cuz yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like, you know, she she was like that. And uh, that's, that's really what kind of kept me like, dude, like, I can't be like that. You know, like, I, yeah. I wish I could, but that's not me. I'm gonna go get drunk and stuff like that. So what really made me change was um, my family, man, ultimately was taking all the bad negative stuff from me drinking me, I'd get drunk, I'd black out, I'd wake up and then repeat it, right? To me, right. it was just another day in my life. That's just what I did, who I was. But I right. was affecting my family the most. You know, yeah. they were the ones taking all the negativity, all the shit that I said to my wife, all the stuff that I would do, you know, like mm-hmm. we'd bicker and fight about it. She'd tell me to stop. And that right there sparked something in me to where I was already drinking. Don't fucking tell me what to do. You know what I mean? Like sure. when we start fighting, then we start saying stuff to each other that creates an argument. So the drinking was always something that kind of was put in the middle of us and why our relationship could have never went forward. You know, if it wasn't for me stopping, honestly, we probably wouldn't be together because we just weren't capable of it. You know, like that relationship just wouldn't work unless I was completely sober. And a lot of people don't take, like, they don't think that way. They think they could still drink and then have their wife, have their kids. Sometimes that's out of the question. You got to pick and choose. Which one do you want? Do you want to be drinking or do you want your family? Because you can't have it both. Some people can. I'm not one of those guys, you know? And that's okay if you're not one of those guys. Like, you just have a different purpose, right? Like, and that's the hard part, you know? That's the hard part for people to really realize. So, yeah, what, what really led me to change, man, was my wife had enough of it. You know, by this time, we had four kids. Um, and so throughout the years I was drinking, doing my stuff, promising her the world, stopping for a little bit, going to AA, getting help. That shit never worked for me. None of it. Mm -hmm. I would always go back. Okay. So she had enough of it and she's like, I got to go. I'm out of here. I'm dipping. Right. I didn't think nothing of it. Um, didn't take it light or I took it lightly pretty much and continued my ways. And until one day I came home and, um, everything was gone. You know, all their clothes was gone. The pictures on the walls were bare. 
Um, wow. Just looking around, going by, you know, room by room, just like thinking like, what the heck just happened? And my heart just sunk right then and there because I knew what was coming and it finally came, right? And yeah. I was just, I was going into like my daughter's room, man, and just searching like for any little clue of what's going on. But I knew deep down inside, they already had enough of my stuff. Even my kids were trying to tell me, dad, can you please stop drinking? Like, we don't oh, like wow. our daddy when yeah. he's drunk, you know, we don't like, and me like, oh, I got you. Like, just don't worry. You know, like trying to ease their mind, but like never right. listening to it. I was so yeah. selfish, man, in that regard that like it, it, during my time of drinking, I didn't care what anybody else felt. As long as I felt good, that's it. I, I didn't care. Yeah. Right. So it's like, I'm your dad. I'm going to do what I want to do. You just kind of got to deal with it. And that's what we do as, you know, men or, or adults, when our kids, all of our kids want a sober parent, whether they say it or not, they want you to be you. They love you for who you are. Not when you're Absolutely. drunk, not when you're over here telling you, I love you. You know, you ever got drunk and then tell everybody, I love you, you know, get that happy drunk. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, yeah. dude, like, get away from me, man. Like, you're fucked yeah. up, you're drunk. I don't even feel the love that you're saying that you have for me because that's the right. alcohol talking, you know? So- and kids can kids can recognize that too. You're right. I, I yeah. love that you said that. That every kid wants a sober parent. I I that is so true. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that, man. Yeah. Yeah. No. Sorry and, to interrupt I, you, man. <laughs> no, you're fine. No, and that's and that's the thing that I wasn't listening to. You know, so I knew deep down inside. Okay, that time came. Everybody's had enough of my crap already. Right. And uh, what killed me the most, man, was seeing my daughter's blanket right there on the floor. And this blanket mm. was everything to her. Like she needed this blanket to fall asleep. She was her comfort blanket. Wherever she went, she had to have this right. blanket. And that blanket was on the floor. And I'm over here bawling, crying uh -huh. on my knees, like just with this blanket holding it, man. Just like, I'm the reason why my daughter doesn't have this damn blanket. You know what I mean? Yeah. She had to get up and leave. Like who knows what was going through their head when they were getting packed up right. to hurry up because dad was coming home and they didn't want to be, my wife already knew I was going to beg her to stay. You know, I was going to sit her down, please just stay, put the bags down. Like let's work it out. Right. Promising her the world. So she had to leave when I wasn't there because that's the only way that she would have had a way out or else I would have tried to be like, please, let's just work it out. You know, the kids would have been there seeing it. Right. And, um, and so she had to do what she did. And now that I see that, like that was the best thing that she could have done. And I'm so happy that she did that now because that's what got me to change. You know, it had to take that drastic right. move of her leaving, knowing damn well she loved me. She wanted it to work, but she's like, no, I can't. So in a way, I felt like she did that for me in a way. Like she loves me so much that she wants yeah. me to stop drinking and she would rather risk her marriage from failing and leave just to see me change, you know? And that's the way I look at wow. it now, man. And it was just, it was so hard just seeing that, man, just seeing that blanket on the floor and just crying like, I did this. I'm the one who separated my family, Yeah, you know? And that's what hurt me the most, right, man. That's right. what got me to change that day. Yeah, it's it's really, um, I mean, I, I can't imagine that feeling, but, um, you know, I think it's really important to acknowledge the fact that sometimes, you know, looking back at our sort of rock bottom moment, we could be grateful for it, right? Mm -hmm. Like that was the hardest thing you had to ever go through and deal with emotionally. But that's what 
that was the spark for you. Yeah. That's what, that's what got you to say, okay, enough's enough. Richard's got to change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All the DUIs going to jail, none of it changed me, but that did right there, you know, and in order to yeah. remove a habit, you have to find something that you love more than the habit in order for you to want to change. Mm -hmm. And I love my family more than anything in the world. So that is right there. What sparked that fire of like, dude, you have an issue. You need to do something because are you going to be that father where your kids are going to grow up? They're going to have the same issues that you're going through and then they're going to blame it on you, right? Like I can't right. have that. Stop the cycle. Yeah, yeah. I have yeah. to stop it now, you know, yeah. and I've, I've been the one right. to stop it so far, you know, and it ends with me, me and my wife, you know, we've made a pact on that. We've told each other, everything stops now. You know, our whole family, we don't have an inheritance. We we don't come from a, a silver spoon yeah. in our mouth. We don't have no businesses to fall back on, but that stops now with us. And that's why we work so hard yeah. in order to provide that now for the future generations. And that's why it doesn't matter how I feel because I have a mission to do. And it's, I got to get up and do what I got to do regardless, because I got people down the line, my grandkids that are going to benefit from my decisions today. And a lot of people don't think that for way. Sure. They look at this, they look at today and they're making decisions for today only. What about 10, 15 years down the right. road? What about when you're gone? Your decisions that you're making are still going to be here because your family won't be taken care of. Yeah. And it's just all selfishness, man. Yeah, it is selfish. You're absolutely right. The decision is made now. You and your wife have both come to this decision um, at this point, I think it, it might be uh, something to note, like physically, what, what you were like, what were you weighing? What, you know, how did you feel at that point? Because this is a big part of your recovery journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was 250 pounds. Okay, I'm 5'7", uh, 250 at 5'7". Obviously, you, you could picture that, right? And that also led yeah. into my addiction, my drinking. It stemmed from me not being happy with myself, you know? So what did I do? Right. I put a Band-Aid over it. I drank some beers and just covered it up and forgot about it. Over time, it multiplied, and that's where I was at, 250 pounds. Like I said, I always struggled a little wow. bit with my weight growing up. But once I started drinking, man, eating like crap, you know, that comes with it. It just spiraled out it of does. control. Yeah, yeah it, it all it's all connected, man. I mean – from your mind to your habits to your body, everything is in alignment, you know? Right. So when you got your mind right, when you're eating correctly, your body's going to just follow suit and it's going to reflect who you are as a person, right? So uh, I realized, man, I had a huge discipline problem, you know? I couldn't control the food I was having, the drinks I was consuming. I couldn't control anything. And that's what led me to have that exterior who I wasn't proud of. You know, um, I was never right. present with my family because I was either drunk or I was thinking about how I looked and how I felt. So being in SoCal, you're at right. the beach, you're at the pool. Guess what I was thinking about? I was thinking about mm -hmm. how could I grab a beer and how could I hide my body that I was ashamed of? So never really enjoying right. the moment with my family, right? And they could feel that, you yeah. know? Yeah. So yeah, right. man, it, it ultimately led to... uh me having those those health issues, you know, I was pre-hypertension, uh, diabetes run in the family. So I was already on the road to that. Um, I had to make a right. change, you know, and that's why AA didn't necessarily work for me was because I needed something more. 
uh, AA, you sit around. Okay. It's a great, it's a great thing. I have nothing against it. I still use some of it, but exercising, uh, forming that discipline in order to change that. Once I found that, man, exercise was my cure. Like that was my thing that kept me sober. And then and okay. ultimately it fixed the body, right? The body issues that I was having. So that's where I'm at today, man. I remember a post that you, that you made or a story that you had and you said, at that moment, you didn't know what else to do but do burpees yeah. until you cried. You sat out in the garage and did burpees and, until you just couldn't, you know, you just needed to keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. And you, you were so motivated at that moment to like, you know, change the body, mind and soul. And um, yeah, I, I do. I really remember that post that you put. And, um, you know, I, I can completely uh, relate to that those moments because I, that was exactly me too. I was way overweight when I was out there partying, um, mentally, physically, emotionally sick. Um, and, and I needed to do that too. When I got sober, when I finally got serious about getting sober, I had to do something for me. It was boxing and Muay Thai and, and, you yeah. know, the gym a little bit, but, um, I needed something. I needed my body to be moving because I wasn't, I couldn't sit still. If I sat still too long, I was going to yeah. pick up a drink or a drug and I needed something. I needed structure in my day. I needed some discipline in my, and that's where the martial arts really helped me. Um, but yeah, can you, can you talk a little bit about um, sort of what got you on the path then to fitness and, and where you, cause I want to talk about like what you're doing today, because that is so, uh, so relevant and so inspirational the way you coach others. And, and you're not just like a, you're not a, you're not a, mm -hmm. a, a trainer right. you're a coach like you're coaching people in mindset nutrition um right. and life right yeah it's, yeah it's i'm all coaching people to completely yeah. change their vices you know remove their vices become a better person just become proud of who they are and like i said it's discipline you know once you form the discipline you can control mm -hmm. anything you can control the money that you're making you can control your body your habits it all comes down from discipline so Back to that point where I was doing burpees until I cried, I needed to like get rid of whatever I was feeling, not through alcohol, because that's how I used to do it. I would push my body so far past that point, right. I would start crying, and then I was just done after that. The last thing I wanted to do was grab a drink or do right. anything. I just wanted to go inside and lay down on the floor, you know, and just completely just be done. So when yeah. you push your body to that extreme, you're not thinking about drinking. You're not thinking about drugs. You're not thinking about you at that point. All you're right. thinking about is breathing. You know, you're just trying mm -hmm. to get through that time that you just yeah. went through, you <laughs> yeah. know, so that's why it worked yeah. for me. And I'm an addictive guy. So I use that to my advantage now. Like I'm addicted yeah. to the good things now. I'm addicted to bettering right. myself now. I'm addicted to being the best husband I can, the best father sure. I can. So in fact, my addiction has made me right. this person. And I love that now, you know, like I wouldn't change it no more because now I'm able to use it to be this better person. And that's what I coach people to do. It's like, yeah, you mm -hmm. might struggle with stuff. You were, you were made to have these vices in order to get through them to become a better person. Because if you didn't have this addictive personality, right. you wouldn't even want to work out, right? Like you fall in love with being that person who works out. Now it becomes this thing. It's like, I got to do it, you know? So that's what I help guys do, man. Sure. We form discipline. That's what we do. We wake up early. We have a mandatory wake up. We stick to a certain nutrition plan and we do this seven days a week. 
You know, that's what's forming the discipline. That's what's changing your mindset is doing what's hard for you is what's going to ultimately work for you later on because you can overcome that mindset. When you have a bunch of stuff like idle time, that's when you're going to want to drink, right? So fill your plate up with everything to where every single day, every hour, I have something I'm doing. I'm rarely sitting around. And if I am sitting around, it's with my family or my wife. Mm-hmm. And we're doing something at that point, right? Quality time, right? Quality Watching time. a movie yeah. or it's never right. just like me. Like, what should I do today? Like, I always have something to do. And I do that on purpose. You right. know, I'll overbook myself sometimes just to make sure yeah. that, hey, I might need to switch some stuff around, but I'm not going to have time to sit at a bar. I'm not going to have time to go to the store and grab a six pack. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, man. And that, and that's, For what, sure. that's what you got to do, man. If you're struggling with an addiction, if you're struggling with any type of vices, you need to find an outlet in order to where you don't have any time to think about it. Just be consistently focused on bettering yourself. Mm-hmm. So I tell people all the time, who do you want to be? You have to do everything every single day, every minute to be in alignment with that person. So think to yourself, I want a beer right now. Is right. this ultimately going to lead me to that person that I want to be? No. So I can't have a beer, right? And do I want this food right now? Is it going to help my body? Is this going to be who I want to be? No, then I'm not going to have that right now. And when you go based off that stuff, it's very easy because you're just following in alignment with who you want to be. Yeah. And as long as you do that, you're going to come to become that person, right? So yeah, man, it, right. it's just right. uh, you, you got you to gotta keep yourself busy and occupied or else you're going to fall back into that rut, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. And you know, I'm I'm very much the same. Uh, I'm I I need to stay busy as well. I idle time mm-hmm. is no good for me. Um, and you know, it's not that I it's not that I think I'll pick up a drink or you know call a dealer if I have idle time. It's just that I'm so obsessed with like pushing yeah. forward to the next phase, the next phase, and you know what I mean. I, and and also not only that, but being of service to others. So if and which is what you're ultimately doing here mm-hmm. as a coach, right? Like that's the ultimate service to others is taking your knowledge and experience, sharing it with somebody else and watching them grow. And not only watching right. them grow, but they grow with you. Yeah. I, I really love that about it. Right. Like you're, you're all part of the same team and you, you know, you're waking up, you've got your mandatory wake up time. They've got their mandatory wake up time, but you guys are all uh, accountable, like accountability yep. partners almost, right? Like you check it in with each other and, yeah, I love that. And I think that's what it, that community around anything in life is so important to the fellowship and the community of other people that are, um, you know, mm-hmm. on the same path and wanting to reach that same goal. And if we don't have that, right. we'll stray. I mean, if we don't have people, if we don't have our people that are pushing us and, and our reasons to, to move forward in that direction, Mm-hmm. For sure, we fall off. Like nobody is that strong that they can maintain that every day, and that's what I really like about the the mentoring system or the the coaching system. It's like, hey, this is a person I have to check in with, and I have to be accountable to them. And and then as a coach or a mentor, people are looking at me, and if I'm not doing, if I'm not walking my talk, they're yeah. gonna call me on my bullshit, right? So it works. It's a circular thing that works so wonderfully yeah. for everybody, and I love that. So you're you do a lot of um. Mm-hmm. macro tracking right this is how you you program your food yeah it's more of like a flexible dieting approach you know that's what i call it uh we we do use macros yes yeah. but um it's basically like man you're not restricted from any type of food as long as they fit your numbers your macros you're more than mm-hmm. welcome to have it which is going to be a more sustainable approach 
versus yeah. like a keto, for example, where it's like, you can't have no carbs, carbs are bad, right? That kind of forms people to kind of have right. those other, uh, not disabilities, but you know, those fears of like carbs are bad. I can't have any carbs or else I'll be fat, you know? And then the moment you have a carb, you're yeah. like, oh shit, like, what did I do? You know, I messed it up. So I, it all falls apart, you know? So I have more of a flexible approach where I mm-hmm. help people understand food is not bad. It's not good. It's just food. And there's certain numbers attached to this food. And as long as they can fit your numbers, you're good okay. to go. You can have it, you know? I got kids, man. We go out right. to pizza. We have burgers, right? Like, I don't make my kids follow a certain macro plan. They do it automatically because they see mom and dad do it. So they want to do it. Like, my my son's, yeah, right. my you son's always right there. Example. Dad, what macros are these? You know, and he's four, you know, and he's he's tracking it. No he way. His, yeah. He oh, his, really? You know, man, and pretends like he's doing what he's doing. And I'm oh, like, you're good that's to go, amazing. son. Go ahead, eat it up, you know? But, like, we go out and we have food. What a wonderful Dude, I, habit yeah, yeah it's better than having beers yeah. in my fridge and having my son go grab me a beer no instead he's like dad we want an apple what are the macros on the apple you know so he's learning this stuff and he coaches that i have some videos up there where he's coaching people you know like just by seeing me jump on video and yeah. stuff like yeah he yeah. does his own videos like it's crazy he'll grab his mom's phone and he's there in the closet and i'm like who's he talking to and he's right there talking about macros, doing push-ups and stuff like that. I'm like, it brings me to tears, honestly, because it's like, man, yeah, like, I love seeing that's this. That's so amazing. It could have easily been the other way where he could have seen me drinking a lot. And he could have been like how I was, you know, down yeah. in beers at the age of five, you know? Well, I mean, and and he probably would have been because look at him now at, at, at that young age talking about healthy like things that he can sustain mm-hmm. for his whole life. But if he had seen the other version of you... You know, he would he would still be emulating you and, and looking to you for all those social cues and the, you know, the, the role model right. stuff. And, you know, if he that's the thing people don't understand. Kids see everything. And um, it really I mean, it really speaks to their um, or to your uh, to your character to be able to like constantly show this um, this healthy mindset and and you know what I mean? Healthy habits, healthy behaviors. And everybody in the household, this is not a norm. I mean, this mm-hmm. is an abnormal thing, right? Like pe- people can, you know, most kids grow up eating pizza, wings, hot dogs, fries, and, you know, and that's fine every once in a while, but like, they don't learn anything from that. If he's putting food on a scale already yeah. and, and you know what I mean? He's setting, you're setting him up for life. Like that yeah. is, that is fantastic. I, I would say some people look at it, you know, I've got comments and stuff like that, like, that's disgusting. Like you're teaching your kid how to weigh food. Like he shouldn't be worried about that. And I'm like, okay, well, is, is that disgusting or is it my child developing insecurities because they're going to school overweight, obese and getting bullied? You know what I mean? So which one is more disgusting? Because I think I'm teaching my son a healthy habit versus eating whatever you want and then going to school and being bullied about it, you know? And that's where we don't correlate. Yeah, we don't correlate that. Like you might not have a drinking problem, but what about your little brother that's watching you drink and he grows up to have that drinking problem? Where did he learn that from? He learned that from you. You might be able to have one or two beers and be completely fine, right? So I get a lot of backlash with that too. Like alcohol is not bad. I could drink one beer and be completely fine. You know, it's all about how you use it. Agreed. I don't have no judgment on alcohol. If you're Mm -hmm. somebody that can do that, great, go for it. But who's watching you, right? Because there's somebody watching you. 
and they're going to see what you're doing yeah. and they're going to want to emulate that. What if they grow up to have the DUIs? What if they grow up to get in a car and kill somebody? How would you feel knowing that it was because of you? Right. You showed them that. So that's why it can't always be about us, right? We have to be yeah. willing to be selfless and be like, you know what? I can, but they can't. So yeah, I, I love my kids seeing that stuff, right. man, because right. I would hate for him to grow up, be in trouble, be in prison the rest of his life because he saw what dad was doing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to, to speak just a little bit more about that, like, I mean, you're not forcing your kid to weigh his food. Mm -hmm. He's seeing what dad's doing and saying like, hey, that looks yeah. pretty fun. That looks cool. That's interesting. He's interested in your healthy lifestyle. That's right. totally different than forcing your kids to eat a certain way. Mm -hmm. He He's interested. And, and I think that's the healthiest way to do it. And I totally agree with you that, you know, you're building you're building life skills um, for him to be set up for success. And you're, you're, you have the long view uh, most people don't have that long view of like every move I make today is, is a move that is going to carry on through my child's life and their child's right. life and so on and so on. So um, yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And you know, I, my wife and I, we, we track our macros and, um, and we work with a coach here. You'd get along with him. Great. Uh, he's an awesome guy. And um, I, I, wish that I could get my kid to put a fucking <laughs> apple on the scale. Um, but, uh, um, you know, but I, we like, we're, we don't force him to do anything. He's, he gets curious yeah. about whatever he gets curious about. And we, you know, um, but he's a good kid. Um, and he's brought so much to my life. And, um, yeah, I, I really, I really just appreciate the fact that, um, you come across as such a, a family person who, who takes care of his, like you say, his, your people. And, um, I've learned a lot from you that way. And um, what would you, what piece of advice would you give the younger version of you, the 20 year old version of you, if you could go back and, and as you today, what would you say to a younger 20 year old version of Richard? I always think about that, man. And I'm like, what would I have told myself back in the day? But I'm the type of person that had to go through this in order to learn from it, you know, like somebody mm -hmm. could tell me, Hey, that's going to mess you up later down the road. I would have said, who cares? Like worry about yourself. Like I'm doing right. what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. So I would have told myself to maybe be more coachable, yeah. take some advice from somebody that's been through it. And if they're telling you like, man, this is really going to lead you down the wrong path. Right. You should change this. You should maybe take that into consideration. Right. And just realize that mm. not everything out there that's supposed to be beneficial or good for you is always beneficial, good for you. Right. So like you going out to a party, having one or two beers to relax, maybe that's not for you, yeah. you know? So you have to really figure out what's for you, what's not. And ultimately you got to make the decision. Who do you want to be in 30 years from now? What kind of money you want to have? What kind of family do you right. want? What type of person do you want to be like? Now, do the steps every single day to become right. that person. Because nobody wakes up saying, I want to be an alcoholic. I want to be put in prison. I want to lose my family, right? No, everybody has certain goals mm -hmm. that they want to achieve. At least you should. So every single day, right. you need to be doing something that's going to lead you into that path. Whether it's big or small, I always say, okay. start with your habits. Wake up early. Do the little things right. And ultimately, that's going to lead into doing the big things right later on, you know. So my main piece of advice right. for somebody right. is who do you want to be when you grow up or what's that type of person you want to be like 
Now be in alignment with that person every single day and make sure you're doing the steps to get there. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. Take the steps. Take what would that person mm-hmm. in 30 years do? Like would that person say, yes, that's a good idea today to eat that burger or you know what I mean? Yeah. It takes a focus off of you during that time because yes, you in that situation in that time, you want that burger. But you also want to be that guy mm-hmm. that's 30 years old, ripped up, shredded with a hot wife, right? So is that going to lead you to that point? Sure. If it's not, then probably don't have it. And yeah, so it's very right. easy to say, okay, cool. I'm okay because I know who I want to be and I have a vision for myself. And this isn't going to lead me to that vision, right? So it's kind of like looking at yourself from a third yeah. person point of view of like, yes, I feel like having this, but I know right. it's not good for me. I'm going to put it away. And that's forming discipline right there to become that person later on. Yeah. Do you coach a lot of um, a lot of younger people? Uh, it's it's eighteen and older. So I, I do have a lot of like eighteen younger, year old. Okay. Yeah, a lot of twenty year olds. A lot of like you know uh, twenty three, yeah. twenty four year olds. Which man, they're already getting the help that I needed. You know, when I was in my thirties. So they're going to be a lot yeah. more advanced and, and above if they follow it. Um, which I love, man. I love helping those guys. That's like the mm-hmm. perfect age right there. Because that was me. That's where I needed my help at. When I was like 21, if I had myself or a coach like me, I probably would have avoided a lot Mm -hmm. of the pain that I went through, you know? So they're kind of ahead of the game in that regard. Plus they have, you know, a a kid, you know, a one or two year old baby that they really need to start thinking about. So they are doing those steps. The guys that are on my program, they are thinking that way. They're like, man, I know like what I'm doing right now isn't going to work later on. I need help now so I could avoid your story. And that's what a lot of guys tell me. It's like, dude, I don't want to go through what you went through. Like that shit scares me. I'm like, you don't need to, as long as you take care of it now, you'll be good. Yeah. I kind of like that. Like as a coach, like Mm -hmm. I've made all the mistakes for you already. Now let me show you how to avoid Mm -hmm. them. You know, like I've, I've fucked up enough and I can tell you from my mistakes, this is the way to go. And you know, before you have to go through the hardship that I did, let me save you like so much heartache and, and, you know, um, you know, and everything else that comes with it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very much like you in that. I think that I wouldn't be who I am today had I not gone through the things that I did. But I also, there's times when I think, I wonder if, because I do, I, I do a lot of like one-on-one, uh, this is in the recovery, like alcohol, uh, addiction world, one-on-one work with people. And I work with a lot of younger people, um, in, like even high school age that are, you know, getting, going down the wrong path. Um, and I always, you know, I catch myself every once in a while thinking like, man, how different would life have been for me if I had somebody like that? And, and I don't wish it for myself because I can't change the past, but you know, that's the motivation there that, that kind of just like, Mm -hmm. I've made the mistakes for you. Let me, let me kind of tell you how it plays out. Like you didn't have, you didn't have somebody to play the tape all the way to the end. Uh, or I didn't have somebody to play the tape all the way to right. the end when I was that age, but I'm, I'm here for you now. And yeah, I can tell you 100%. how to percent. you know, and so let's go the other way. Yeah. 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 Everybody looks at me. They probably look at you too, all tatted up. And it's like, what do you really have to provide to somebody? I'm like, man, I've been through it. That's what I have to provide. Like I can yeah. tell you exactly when you hit a wall, what's going to happen next. If you go this way or if you go this way. You know, so use my first hand. Life experience. Yeah, you yeah. Use my compass, man, because I've already laid it out for you. I got the blueprint for you. I'm going to tell you where to avoid, what to, you know, what to stop at. And then it's up to you to make that decision. But 
you need a coach that's been through it, right? You need somebody that actually knows firsthand. Yeah. Me, I wouldn't personally have listened to somebody that never struggled with anything, that never struggled with the vices that I struggle with because I'm like, dude, right. what do you know about my life? Like, you mm -hmm. don't know what I'm feeling. You don't know what I'm going through. Right. You've never struggled with this addiction, right? So yeah. how can you possibly help me, you know? And that's where you have to do. Like, you have to find somebody that you resonate with that can help you but has also been through it and has been successful, you know? Because obviously your way isn't working. Right. Theirs is. And that's where you got to kind of be coachable, you know, be, be, right. uh, just be coachable, you know, in that regard. And that's what I wish I would have done when I was younger is just listen. Yeah. I was so hard headed that I wouldn't have listened to nobody. I had to learn the hard <laughs> way, you know? So I would yeah. wish I would have been a little bit more coachable and just been like, okay, you know what you're talking about. Let me, let me try that. You know? Me too. It was more like somebody told me, you know, this is how it's going to end up. And I'd say, watch me watch me prove you wrong yeah and at, at yeah. fucking five years later yeah you're yeah. right you you know you were right and yeah. then so yeah. but that, yeah. that's a good thing too you know when people have that it's like a double-edged <laughs> sword because you're so committed to like watch me watch me do this that if you could if you could do that with like the good stuff yeah. like so many people have told me you're gonna fail at your coaching like really? you don't know what the hell you're doing watch me yeah i'm like watch me look i am so freaking focused on this my passion is to help so many people i can't fail I already count myself successful because I've quit my nine to five job that I hated. Yeah. Right? I've, I beat my addiction. I got my family back. Everything yeah. else is just icing on the cake from here on out. And For as long sure. as I don't go backwards, I've already become successful, man. I don't need to make, you know, all this crazy amount of money to feel successful. Right. It's all about a feeling, you know, and yeah. me being in alignment with that. Ultimately I am going to be successful. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's it. Yeah, man. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. I mean, I can't imagine anybody who who would look at you and 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 think that you wouldn't be successful in in your coaching career because you know I, I know that must just be coming from a place of envy or jealousy, um, because yeah. honestly, you know the way you tell your story, the way you talk to the camera, it's so you put everything um, together so eloquently, but also not you're not a soft guy. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're right. You're, you tell it like it is. And I said, I mean, I said this to you on the break, like you should be talking to groups of people. You should be talking to like, like, like high schools. You should be good in high schools telling your story because the way you tell it and, um, and your story and kind of the, the progression and, and where you were and what happened and what it's like today it's just so inspiring. And, and you know what I mean? Everything that everything about you is, is, it's just that it's, you know, you've overcome adversity after adversity and taken that adversity and flipped it around to inspire yourself and others. So, man, I really yeah, appreciate thank you, that. Man. I really appreciate that. No, thank you. Likewise, you know, and who knows, man, who knows what the future holds for me? I'm willing to do whatever, you know, to help other people. So yeah, hey, it'd be great to have that opportunity. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah man, I could totally see that for you. Um, thank you. Anyways, man, I just really want to like, thank you from the bottom of my heart, man. Like, uh, I, I mean it when I say that, like, I, I feel, I feel like I know you so well already just from interacting with you on social media. And I, I, that to me, like social media can be such a shitty place, but when I find people like yourself, uh, like yourself and, and, you know, other people that I've met there, then it actually, you know, formed real relationships with, um, Mm -hmm. albeit it's just you know through texting back and forth or whatever but you get a glimpse of their life and 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 
the way you the way you display your life and your family um it inspires me every time i look at your stuff and you know i see it daily so Thank you. you know it brings a smile to my face it inspires me to be a better man and a better father and uh for that man i really appreciate you and i appreciate you coming in and being so open honest and vulnerable with us of course man thank you all right the man. feelings mutual okay and finally richard uh where can people find you online if they're looking to inquire about coaching or just connect with you at all you can go on my instagram warpath.fit that's where you could pretty much just get in contact with me shoot me a dm uh, i do have a link on there if you want to apply for coaching but just reach out let me know what you're dealing with and then we'll kind of take it from there cool all right thanks so much appreciate it thank you